welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast for our first NBA Finals recap episode. Uh, first of all, I am your host, Karsten. Welcome to the show, or welcome back to the show. Whether you've been listening before or are a brand new listener to the show, either way, we really appreciate your support, and thank you again for tuning in. Yeah, today we're going to recap Game 1 of the NBA Finals uh, between the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat. Uh, today's date, June 2nd of 2023, so the day after Game 1. We'll recap that game. We'll give you the latest news as well um, and preview what we'll have as far as this weekend's finals action. Um, but the bulk of our show will be focused on that game one recap. And uh, let's waste no more time and get right into it. And the the number one seed, the Denver Nuggets, with the home court advantage in this final series, of course, hosting with that, they host game one and game two. Game one hosting the eighth seed Miami Heat kind of the Cinderella story versus Denver. who has been a dominant team, um, you know, throughout the regular season and the playoffs. Miami's been dominant throughout the playoffs. Um, but Denver starts off strong in this final series. They win game one, 104 to 93, your final score. So Denver takes a 1-0 series lead in the NBA finals. Looking at the flow of this game, the Nuggets got off to a very strong start and the Heat struggled uh, some of their players in particular really struggled getting going in this game. By halftime, the Nuggets were up by about 17 points. Uh, they continued to build that lead to the end of the third quarter. The Heat made a nice little run trying to get this game in contention, uh, cut it all the way down to 10 early in the fourth quarter. Nuggets responded with their offense, uh, you know, the offense that was kind of on fire throughout most of the game. Um they did not collapse. They maintained a lead and they were able to win this game outright by a, an 11 point margin by the end of it. Um, checking out the box score. Firstly, for the Miami Heat, uh, Bam Adebayo, he was really the the best player for them in this game. Uh, 26 points, 13 rebounds and five assists. Um, and that was a talking point going into the series. His offense, um, especially his, you know, lack thereof in the Boston series, maybe not quite the offensive output. Even though he is more of a defensive-minded player, you need some offense from him. He didn't have as much to deliver in the Celtics series at times. In this series, starts off strong, uh, 52% from the floor on 25 attempts, uh, 11 more attempts than any other guy on the Miami Heat. Um, only attempted one three and missed it, but you know, still great offensive game for him and great contribution. Jimmy Butler. Uh, 13.7 rebounds, seven assists, one steal, one block, not terrible percentages. Um, he didn't shoot a lot in this game, 14 field goal attempts, um, two, three attempts, uh, three point attempts. He made one of them. Um, he just was not the primary shooter for whatever reason, uh, in this game off the, uh, actually first Gabe Vincent. He was the second leading scorer for the Miami heat. He had 19 points, five assists and two rebounds. Good percentages, 50% from both the floor and three-point range. 18 points off the bench for Haywood Highsmith. And most of those coming in, I believe, that uh, that f- you know second half and maybe even, well, 12 of those 18 coming in the fourth quarter. So really big offense late as they were trying to push that. And I would wonder if he maybe gets some, some boosted minutes in game two, kind of reward for that effort. Um you know, especially as they look to get some more offense, Kyle Lowry with 11 points, five rebounds, five assists, um, zero points for Max Struess, three total points for Caleb Martin. He was one of seven from the floor, one of two from three point range. Um, 
and three total points for Duncan Robinson off the bench as well. Made one of his five three-point attempts. Those guys that have been locked in offensively for the Heat in this postseason, Martin in particular, along with you know Duncan Robinson and Max Struess, they just did not contribute. They didn't hit their shots. Struess, 0 of 10, including 0 of 9 from three-point range. Brutal game. Um, and that's something to be considered. You know, you don't expect that to happen every single game. Um, there's talk about Miami did get some pretty decent looks overall. Their offense wasn't, you know, completely at a standstill. They were getting good movement. Guys were getting open shots. They just weren't able to knock it down. And the Nuggets were the complete opposite. They were locked in offensively. They were getting things going. And let's talk about the Nuggets and their contributors. Jokic and Murray, they were the the two main forces. And then the supporting guys, Porter, Gordon, um, Bruce Brown, KCP, they all did you know, everything they needed to additionally. It was a fantastic game for the Nuggets all around. Um, Jokic with 27 points, 14 assists, and 10 rebounds, one steal and one block. Um, he joins Jason Kidd as the only two players in NBA Finals history to uh, record a triple-double in their Finals debut. Uh, so elite company there continues to be simply dominant. Jamal Murray was fantastic as well. 26 points, 10 assists, six rebounds and a steal. Um, two of seven from three, not totally stellar, but still not, not bad at all. Uh, so you'll take that 16 points, six rebounds for Aaron Gordon, especially in the first half. He was a big paint presence, 14 points, 13 rebounds for Michael Porter jr. With two blocks, um, 10 points off the bench for Bruce Brown, seven points for KCP in the starting lineup. Contavious Caldwell Pope, just well-spread offense, the stars doing their thing. Um, they didn't play a, a ton of guys, you know, Miami spread it out. They played, uh, it looks like, you know, about a, a 11 or 12 man roster. The nuggets played only about eight guys. And that's a question that was a question going into the series, the depth issue. And also the nuggets having swept their conference final series while the heat had played seven games to get to the, to the NBA finals there was a question of rest. You know, the Nuggets had gone uh, nine days in between playing games and Miami had finished up their series just a couple of days prior. Um, but the Nuggets, especially in that first half, really showed that that was not going to be the issue that you might have thought. Um, they stayed prepared throughout that period and they got off to a really hot start. Um, another interesting note with Miami, they only made and attempted two free throws in the entire game compared to Denver's 20 free throw attempts and 16 free throw makes. Um, that two free throws attempted is the fewest in any playoff game and the fewest in any Miami Heat game in their history, regular season or playoffs. Mind-boggling, you know. And with as much as we credit Denver, you know, this is a strong start that we kind of thought we would see from a team that really has not slowed down in the playoffs up to this point. Uh, they did a great job, but also credit to Miami in that second half for being able to, despite, you know, the, the free throw discrepancy, despite missing a bunch of guys contributions offensively, um, they were able to keep it close. And it was, it's that attitude, that play style that has brought them to the finals in the first place, but it was also their, um, I, I think there were some clips and some things uh, that I saw where it looked like maybe pushing tempo a bit in that second half led to some uh, some more effective offense 
some more efficient offense for the Miami Heat. So that might be something to look for in game two, Um, them looking to push things a little more. Um, Haywood Highsmith and some of those guys getting bigger minutes and also probably not going to see big minutes from Cody Zeller. And that was something, you know, that'd be, well, of course, you'd kind of think that going into the series, but he played seven minutes, all of those in the, uh, the first half, I believe, or five, five minutes in the first half. And then a couple minutes in the second half. Uh, but he played big minutes in that first half and really uh, struggled. You know, I think it was an interesting, they wanted to get an early look, see how he might be able to contribute to their efforts to slow down Jokic, uh, getting bigger bodies centers, getting size in against him. Zeller missed his only field goal attempt, got a, three rebounds and that was about it. Um, and he also gave up some points uh, as a defender, you know, so maybe we'll see him get some opportunities in this series again. Maybe not um, just to me, I was a little perplexed and it's nothing against Cody Zeller. Um, I just think that he he's been a decent role player in his years in the NBA with the Hornets, but he's a little bit past that. And um, I wonder how effective he would be for what they were maybe trying to do with him in this series. But, you know, you think about game two, the, the finals jitters are, you know, for the most part kind of worked out of people's systems. Um, the heat had a lot of different aspects where it was far from their normal expected offense. And it's also interesting, you know, they closed out that game. They closed out the Celtic series on some historically efficient offense, right? the complete opposite of this game. So we've had the two extremes and now we'll see what happens the rest of the series. Do they continue to be either ultra hot or ultra cold? Do they find that consistent middle ground? That'll be a little more reliable. And then they get things done defensively to try and be competitive in the series. That'll be interesting to look for for Denver. I think they need to be cognizant of the fact it seems like the pushing the tempo and, and some of those things, it was also a bit of, you know, going at Jokic driving with, you know, speed, aggressiveness for Miami, that could have been an issue for Jokic because he's as electric as he is as, as a player and pretty well-rounded. He is not the greatest defender in the world. He's not a terrible defender, but um, I mean, he picked up a steal on a block, but maybe just something either in that second half due to fatigue or, you know, easing off the gas pedal a little bit, or maybe it's something that could be a sign of something that could be effective for Miami going forward in the series. Um, just, you know, keeping an eye on how they attack Jokic when the Nuggets are on the defensive side of the floor, you know, how Miami attacks that offensively. That'll be interesting to look for. Um, but otherwise, yeah, phenomenal performance. Uh, looking at some of the other numbers for Jokic, uh, his 14 assists were the most ever by a center in NBA, any NBA Finals game, which is pretty phenomenal. Again, Jokic and Murray were the driving forces in this game for Denver. The supporting pieces did their job as well. Um, what other numbers? Um, Bam Adebayo's 25 shots were the most ever he's attempted in his NBA career, regular season or playoffs. So it was definitely an outlier. Um, we talked about the free throws. He, Jokic continues to to average that triple double for the postseason. Um, this pace, uh, the points per possession for the uh, the Miami Heat was their lowest of the playoffs slash play in the twenty one total games they've played in the postseason. It was their least off efficient offense. So 
again, that kind of goes with, it was a rough offensive game for them. Will that continue? Was it due to what Denver was doing completely? Or is it, you know, first game and, and they had an off night, you know, or is it somewhere in between those two things? I think that would be more likely, you know, some kind of combination of both um, Denver being guarding effectively, uh, even though they're not known as a terrific defensive team, but you know, they, they've been a winning team. You have to be able to, to figure out some sort of defensive um, solutions. And, you know, they, they've might've found some of those things for Miami. And then Miami also could have just had a, rough shooting nights again their offense seemed to be working fairly well getting some decent looks and they were just weren't knocking them down so game two will be very intriguing to see what the the shot making ability you know just hitting open looks for Miami what that looks like and how that will play into the competitiveness of a game two you know does Miami start to knock down shots but Denver's even better offensively you know you could argue with both Jokic and Murray being below 30 points um, their offense has been stellar enough to where we'd expect at least one of those guys being 30 plus um, for most games. And so that could be another thing to watch for as far as the nuggets getting even better offensively, you know, there is every potential for that. So that's something to watch for as well. Um, the nuggets depth was a, a talking point. Didn't seem to be too much of an issue at this point. Aaron Gordon's been big. Um, and um you know, it, it's it's going to be a great series, great start to the series, great excitement. The Denver fan base uh, were really into the game. They f- helped fuel the Nuggets, I think, at key moments. You know, they, they had the situational awareness to say, oh, well, the Heat have gotten a few baskets straight. Let's really bring up the intensity again as a fan base, get the get our team Re re-energized, refocused, get them back into it, you know, so that's going to be a great advantage for them, but Miami has kind of an equal advantage at home themselves. You know, that Miami fan base, that arena is a tough place to play. You know, it's not the toughest, but it's a tough, tough place to play. And so um, both teams home courts, I think are going to be very crucial uh, to who ends up winning the series. So overall, fantastic game one. Hopefully we've, we've, you know, touched them all. We've covered everything and uh, I'm excited for game two. We'll give you the details on game two in just a moment, but real quick, let's touch on some, uh, some news items across the league, not just, you know, heat or nuggets or the NBA or the NBA finals across the league. And we're going to start with, uh, well, a final specific item. This is our, our main finals item of news before we get into the, the, you know, league wide news items. Um, And the NBA announced the officials for the 2023 NBA finals. This was of course, before game one tipped off, probably uh, it it was the morning of. So just so we have that information for game one, it was Mark Davis, David Guthrie and Ed Malloy. Those were your your referees. Uh, There are 12 total referees. The others, the other nine are Tony brothers working his 12th NBA finals uh, as was Mark Davis Scott Foster in his 16th. He has the most finals experience of any of these referees. John Goble, Bill Kennedy, Courtney Kirkland, Kevin Scott, Josh Tiven, James Williams, and Zach Zarba. Uh, And notable Kevin Scott, this is his first NBA finals that he will be uh, working. 
Uh, as far as total games, uh, Scott Foster with those 16th NBA finals, he has officiated 23 total NBA finals games. So uh, certainly worth noting. It, it could be notable, uh, but these referees are working the finals because they uh, have done the best job this season. And so you should look for the finals to be a well-officiated series uh, and officiating. Let's hope there's no calls that we feel, you know, media decides was it was the deciding factor in a game and there's, you know, hate piled on referees. Uh, I think we get enough of that. And really these, these referees do a phenomenal job and that's a tough job. So um, anyways, those are your finals for, or your referees for the NBA finals. As far as other news, the biggest item uh, within the last few days for the Golden State Warriors, uh, president and general manager Bob Myers has stepped down from the Warriors front office. He's, of course, credited as the architect that helped bring together the uh, the dubs, the the Splash Brothers and the uh, the dynasty brought Kevin Durant in. You know, I mean, this extent, this extended Warriors excellence we've been accustomed to. Bob Myers has been the president and the GM for that whole run. And so that is going to be a big point of intrigue these next couple of seasons for the Golden State Warriors, especially with players now kind of getting the opportunity to move on if they so choose. Um, Guys getting older as well. You know, it'll be interesting to see what comes of the Warriors in the coming seasons, especially without that, you know, that mastermind behind the whole picture. So uh, he just decided it was the right time for him. I'm not sure if he's going to move on to a different organization at this time. Maybe he'll just take time off. I mean, he certainly doesn't need to prove himself and his abilities as a four-time champion, as a as a front office man. He's He's been phenomenal. He's been one of the best. So uh, kind of up to him what he decides to do, but he's moving away from the Warriors at this time. Uh, a couple of head coaching hires. That's been a big point of intrigue this offseason. Firstly, for the Phoenix Suns, they're going to hire Frank Vogel as their new head coach. Of course, Vogel, a guy with a lot of success. He was uh, probably came to prominence most notably with the uh, the Pacers of the uh, early 2010s. Paul George and, and George Hill, David West, Roy Hibbert, that crew that was a consistent playoff contender and the the Heat's main competitor for a couple seasons in the East. Uh, then he was with the Magic for a bit, then went to the Lakers, LeBron's first few seasons there, and uh, or rather a couple of seasons with LeBron, and one of those being the year the Lakers won the championship. I think he's a solid head coach, to say the very least. I think he's a great head coach. And um, the following season, the following couple seasons after they didn't, after they had won the championship and they failed to meet expectations due to a myriad of factors, he was kind of given the, uh, he, he became one of the scapegoats and was was fired, you know. And I think him being on a Suns roster like that, I think he's going to be a stable, consistent head coach, but also someone who has earned his stripes in playoff scenarios, has won a championship. I don't think that he was just riding coattails to help win that title. I think, you know, with that roster in that exact situation, he did a great job to make sure that they achieved what they could achieve, you know? So I think that's a good hire for them. And then for the Detroit Pistons, they are going to hire Monty Williams as their head coach, but he has agreed to a record breaking 
six-year, $78.5 million contract to become the Pistons' new head coach. That is the largest contract for a, a head coaching hire in NBA history, I believe. So that's a big investment. I like Monty Williams. I think he's been an underrated factor as well in the Suns' success. You know, we we're giving lauding him with praise uh, just a season or two prior as far as we're bringing the Suns back to relevance. And just that quickly, the Suns front office especially kind of forgets that Suns, Suns ownership, the new ownership, and they decide to move on from him. I think a proven head coach like that with a young organization with plenty of talent, they're looking to add talent and that um, the younger guys they've had are looking to not just be, oh, young and talented, but actually, you know, contributing proven guys, all-star type guys, you know, your Cade Cunningham's, your Jaden Ivey's, um, Jalen Duran's players like that, you know, the Pistons are looking to get back into relevance, not just be, oh, an interesting team, a young team with all sorts of potential. They want to get back in the playoffs. You know, I think Monty Williams is going to be a great guy to help try and make that happen. So we'll have to see what happens with the Pistons. Uh, unfortunate injury news for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, forward Alexei Pokashevsky uh, reportedly has suffered a small fracture in his upper right arm during offseason workouts. Uh, he is said to be the plan is to be he'll be reevaluated. Re excuse me. He's going to be reevaluated in four to six weeks. Um, so, of course, all all the teams right now, except the Nuggets and the Heat, have two or three months to be able to get prepped and get right for the season. So if you have to get injured, I suppose it's not the worst time to get injured, but there's never a great time to get injured. And certainly we wish him the best as he works to to uh, to heal up and get back from that injury. Uh, front office news for the Wizards. Of course, they recently hired um, one of the Clippers uh, front office guys to be their new president. Uh, they've now hired Travis Schlenk to be uh, senior vice president of player personnel. He was previously uh, a GM with the Atlanta Hawks, I believe, or in their front office in some capacity. Um, but the Wizards still looking to find their for sure general manager. So, but the, they're just continuing to assemble the pieces of the puzzle for their front office. So certainly worth noting. For the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, forward Daniel House Jr., he has picked up his player option for the 2023 through 2024 NBA season. So he will be uh, with the Sixers this next season. And then finally, some updates for the Memphis Grizzlies and the John Morant situation just on the, the front of uh, the NBA and Adam Silver, their position on it. Um, Adam Silver in the finals uh, media availability, you know, press conference before the series started, he discussed uh, their investigation into the situation with John Morant um, you know, the, the latest social media, uh, Instagram live item. And, uh, he revealed a couple of things. Firstly, he says that the NBA has uncovered, a, a a few other things that are relevant and, um, meaningful in this investigation, uh, other incidents, and that also the decision, the official decision on what will happen, as far as discipline for John Morant won't come until after the NBA finals uh, in quote, kind of a paraphrase. He wanted to, you know, not take anything away from the heat or the nuggets as they're competing in the finals would rather delay that till the finals are completed. That has run its course. And then there's a chance to, you know, clear mind for everyone. Here's the update on John Morant, I suppose. So um, 
that's that's it. Those are your news items. A lot more news items than we've had on some other days. Some of that, of course, we accrued those from Wednesday when we didn't do our uh, we didn't do news on Wednesday. But um, otherwise, let's go ahead and give you the the game previews for this weekend. And really, we have one uh, game for this weekend, and it's game two of the finals, and it's Sunday. June 4th, Sunday uh, on ABC, 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, game two in which the Denver Nuggets as the one seed will host again. They'll host the eight seed Miami Heat. Um, and then next week we'll see the series shift over to Miami. And Denver Denver will either lead two games to zero or Miami has a chance on Sunday to steal a game and we'd go to Miami tied one-to-one. Um, either way, it'll be very exciting to watch for and um, again, some of those talking points, it'll be interesting to see what Miami does to adjust. If they try and push tempo, they adjust the minutes, you know, in Denver, if they can continue to be, or maybe even elevate their electric offense. So that'll be great to watch for, but otherwise that really takes care of the bulk of our show. Um, let's go ahead, go ahead and give you our, this day in history fact before we wrap things up. And today's fact comes from 1985, June 2nd of 1985. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar of the Los Angeles Lakers became the all-time leading scorer in NBA playoff history, surpassing Jerry West's total of 4,457 points. As the Lakers beat Boston 136-111 to in Game 3 of the NBA Finals, a series they would win in six games. Abdul-Jabbar was eventually passed for total playoff points by Chicago's Michael Jordan. Uh, so Kareem, of course, one of the all-time greats and uh, phenomenal player and a great fact to take note of as we are in the NBA finals at this moment. Um, that's it for the show. Uh, firstly, we'll plug our Instagram page. That's crossover across time, all one word, no capital letters on Instagram. We share content from the show, but we also do our best to like and share content from across the NBA world. So it's a great place along with the podcast itself to stay up to date with what's going on in the NBA as a whole, and also to hopefully get that historic perspective on NBA events and so forth so definitely check that out we appreciate it um we appreciate you all tuning in we will be back on monday with our game two of the nba finals recap show and we will go from that point so thanks again and we'll be back with you on monday 